0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. The Hoop Collective with Brian Winhurst focuses on life in and around the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, Brian is joined by ESPN NBA insiders, including Tim McMahon and Tim Bontemps every Friday. That's the Hoop Collective. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us, coming to us live from 20 blocks away from me. Check them out. First things first on FS1 mornings. Also the What's Bright podcast. Niggerite, what's going on, man? Bo, am I on today because we're recording this on May
1: 31st? Am I on because today's LeBron James Day? Do you know? Did you know today's LeBron James Day? No,
0: I did not know today's LeBron James Day. Is this the day that they won game seven? Or no, it can't be the day they won game seven because that would be in June. May
1: 31st of 2007.
0: Oh, 48
1: special. May 31st of 2018. 51 8 8. What are the odds of that? Arguably the two greatest games ever played in NBA history, played by the same man on the same day, 14 years apart. How about that? Or not the eleven years apart, pardon me.
0: Did you say the two greatest games in NBA history? Well, the fifty one eight
1: and eight is the single greatest game in NBA history. We can argue about the second place one. But that's so, the greatest game
0: anyone's ever played. Well, that's the one against Boston in the conference finals.
1: No, that's the game one against KD and oh, Steph and That one. The J.R. Smith game. The J.R. Smith game, buddy.
0: Man, I have forgotten about that. The funniest ending of a game of my life. Wasn't I've never funny, seen man. anybody more furious and incredulous and with no idea of what I'm supposed to do right now than LeBron James in that moment.
1: Wasn't funny. You know what so many, so many underrated moments from that, not the least of which is Jr. bodied and muscled KD. For the rebound, like a critical rebound, and then blew it. Oh boy. Ooh, but yeah, boy. but uh but let's let's talk about what you want to talk about. How are you?
0: Hey man, doing am all good. We got the uh the NBA finals coming up. Uh yep. I don't know if Warriors fans hate me or you more. Like I'm not sure which one of us winds up winning that contest. This sucks so
1: much, man. Do
0: you remember <laughs> Mother's Day 2018? Yes, I do. When I
1: drove to Boston yes. to watch LeBron play the Celtics. Warriors fans, it might be a push. Celtics fans, I'm pretty sure it's me. I do know this. Celtics fans and Warriors fans have very little in common, from socioeconomic status to uh, educational history to anything. But one thing they can bond over is a hatred of me. How this ended up being. It's like, Bo, no matter who wins the title, The old takes exposed guy has a whole file ready to unleash on me. Because if it's the Celtics, it's me. You know, I called Jason Tatum fifth best player in his draft class on draft day. (laughs) And the four I had in front of him, one of them was Josh Jackson.
0: Oh, wow. That was was a bad play, dog.
1: (laughs) This is a bad one, man. I did like Fultz. I liked Lonzo. You know, it's not great. Uh, I call Jalen Brown a homeless man's Kawhi Leonard. That's age decent. Maybe I should just said poor man's Kawhi Leonard. And then God only knows all things I said about the Warriors and Andrew Wiggins. Can I defend my Andrew Wiggins take for one moment?
0: Yeah, I'll be defending mine right after you defend yours. Go ahead.
1: Everyone agreed! There's all these cowards in the media that are like, oh, look at it, Nick Wright. He was so dumb on it. Now, where I was clearly wrong was I said the contract would prevent the Warriors From making a finals while that contract was on the books, That, that they've made the finals contract on the books, so I was wrong. But this idea that I was a man in the wilderness saying Andrew Wiggins overpaid and unspectacular and inefficient, all these other guys are cowards just letting you and me take all the Andrew Wiggins heat. It's
0: BS, Bo. Well, yo, this is my thing about Andrew Wiggins. I said that Andrew Wiggins was a bus hiding in plain sight. And you know what? If in order for you to find your footing in your mid-20s, you have to become the number four option after a dude who just had an ACL tear and an Achilles tear, there's no way around that. It's good for him that he managed to find a place and a team that's willing to pay luxury tax in such a way that they can subsidize his mediocrity on what they got. Now, uh, that's not to say he hasn't been a contributor. That's not to say that he wasn't like an NBA player. But he was supposed to be one of those next LeBron James types. And it just didn't happen. It's just wild that a dude that talented had to get to a place where a team required so little of him in order for him to be comfortable to get it done.
1: Yeah, that's 100% correct. And I will give him credit, you know what I mean, for not, he, he, he now is playing winning basketball. He's in that Warriors cocoon, all that stuff. But I, the, the Andrew Wiggins takes weren't wrong. They just like they they weren't he was wildly overpaid. He was incredibly inefficient. He was wildly disappointing. What I was wrong was in thinking none of that would change under the cheat code that is the Warriors setup. So, but I mean, they did miss the playoffs each of the last two years as well. That's the other thing that's so (laughs) frustrating about this. They missed the damn playoffs. In back-to-back years, last year they lost two play-in games. Yes, the, uh, LeBron beat them, and then the Grizzlies beat them. But you know, such is my life.
0: I well, so I still got a chance to not be all the way wrong on the Warriors this year, because my point was, and I don't think that this was a hot take at all. I think some people just got mad at it, but I think that some people hadn't considered nobody wins with the same core ten years after the core was put together. Like, you go back and look at it, anybody that's kept a core together that long has made a significant adjustment to that core. And I don't think adding Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins count as significant adjustments, right? Like, adding Kevin Durant, that counted. So, like, with the Lakers, Magic is there in 79, but three years later, you add James Worthy, right? So, like, we add another superstar that's younger to stress this thing out. The Spurs added Kawhi Leonard in 2011, and that stressed it out to where they could win it in 2014 the Warriors are trying to do something almost like, it's like the 87 Celtics, right? Like that's the 87, 88 Celtics have been my comparison there where they started so long ago and you kept the guys together, but you kept the trucking and you kept the trucking. And I just didn't think that it was a wise play to try to keep winning championships with those same dudes. But this is a weird year in the West where everybody had some kind of story as to what was going on and the Warriors got it together. But now they're playing against a team in Boston. And the part that makes me uncomfortable about them is, they haven't played anybody at full strength yet. Like, everyone they played in the playoffs this year had something significant going on with player health. Both teams have had
1: what I would call good injury luck throughout the playoffs. Now, but the one team Boston did play at full strength was Brooklyn. That was the full-strength Brooklyn team. They're just not any good. Yeah, Obviously, Milwaukee's without Middleton, and then Miami was, is, you know, they, they, they were having body parts
0: hacked off throughout the series. Hold on, by the way, though, they went to seven with both of those decimated teams. Right, both teams playing the playing a game seven. Forget about the whole series, but playing a game seven or a significant part of it without their second scoring option, and they went to seven with them.
1: No, that's exactly correct. Here's my bigger concern for Boston. It gets glossed over because Jimmy missed the shot. Bo, that would have been the biggest, the biggest. We still bring up Portland. Portland lost a fifteen point lead to the Lakers in a game seven of the conference finals. With eleven, they were up fifteen with eleven minutes. The Boston was up thirteen with three and a half left, and didn't score again. Uh, when Jimmy released that shot, they hadn't scored again. And Miami's just getting layups. Kyle Lowry is like, "I'll take these two points." Marcus Smart miss. Kyle Lowry two points. Marcus Smart miss. It would have been uh, the the in all of sports one of the biggest choke jobs ever when you're that close to a championship. And that is my concern for Boston is are they these are games are not going to be blowouts. Are they going to be able to execute down the stretch? I don't know who they are. I'm very impressed by Udoka. I Tatum's weird because I don't feel like you can count on Tatum the way you're supposed to be able to count on one of the 8 or 9 best players in the league. But when he's hitting he did go toe-to-toe with Giannis on the road in the elimination game and went shot for shot for him. So it's like his Tatum's upside right now is of a top three player. His downside is of a player that's like outside the top 15, which is why he's rightfully right in that 8-7-8-9 eight, eight, range. I like Boston. I like their players. I like their roster. I don't trust him in close games against this Warriors team. I just think they'll out-execute him.
0: Well, one thing to me that's fascinating about Tatum is if you go look at the advanced numbers, he made leaps and bounds of improvement defensively, but offensively, kind of the same, right? But what he is, is a bit more Not mature. Not that
1: efficient. Not yeah. that crazy efficient.
0: Yep, no, I, I've talked about this all the time, man. He's Kobe system guys, right? Like he, yes, he plays exactly. for a lot of bad sh- I mean, he played, bad shots is unfair, but a lot of hard shots like hard, hard shots, shots are his bread and butter and that that I don't recommend right but he became a great defensive player this year and I do think he became a guy that you think about like in those moments okay yeah we know this is a guy that can go out here and make this shot like same as Kobe in the sense that the efficiency may not have always been there but it's a guy you felt good about putting up a shot
1: and a guy who became a willing passer yeah we all gave Marcus Smart for midway through the year or early in the year, kind of taking a shot at Tatum and Brown for saying they won't pass the ball, but he was right. They wouldn't pass the damn ball and Tatum, you know, he's five, six assists per game. In these playoffs, he's become a willing passer and that's, that's helped them a ton. I give Udoka a lot of credit for getting him to get to that spot.
0: Yeah. And what I think is wild about this series is, Golden State is not the team that's going to be chucking up all the threes, right? Like, I think something that's lost about the Warriors, I've talked about it on here, but I still think it's worth pointing out, is the evolution of this team over the years where they were so far ahead of everybody else. They, they were like Chip Kelly was at Oregon, right? Like, they were so far ahead of everybody else, and then everybody else starts using a lot of the same stuff you do. And so now you got to adjust around your own adjustments, right? Because the league catches up to you because, you know, hey, if this is working, why won't we do it? They're not an exceptional three-point shooting team anymore. That's not how they're going to beat you. They're beating you basically by being champions, right? Like, they're beating you more going to the basket. And they always went to the basket at a rate that they didn't get enough credit for. They just weren't shooting mid-range. But they were going for layups and they were making those threes. Boss is the one that's out here trying to chuck up 40, 50 threes a game and just cross your fingers and see how it all winds up, you know, by the time it gets to the end. So, I didn't think the Warriors could win a championship this year. But I don't feel good at all about picking against them against Boston, even though I feel like the Celtics got enough dudes with enough stripes. The moment should not be too big for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost game one by 20 points.
1: So one thing about this series, then I have an odd question for you, which might segue into what I really want to talk about, which is my player rankings. The one note about this series is the reason the the Warriors dominated the Mavericks was because Kavan Looney, did something that Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton couldn't do, which is punish them for playing small. With Robert Williams clearly, uh, you know, hampered by the knee. The Warriors, they have big people, but not tall people. You know, Grant Williams, Al Horford are big people. They're not tall people. They're strong people. I don't think Kavan Looney is going to have nearly the impact in this series that he had in the Western Conference Finals, so it's going to demand something of a Golden State adjustment. I'm curious what it is. Now the question I have for you, because I said this on TV today, and I don't like that this is true, but I believe it to be true. If the Celtics win the title, Al Horford, Basketball Hall of Famer.
0: Okay, put a pin in that, right? because I want to say this one thing about Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney is something that I always find interesting in the NBA, which is the ghost of five-star past, right? Oh. He's a five-star dude coming out of high school. He was a one-and-done dude, as I recall, at UCLA, right? He's wildly talented. He just doesn't have an offensive game. DeAndre Jordan is a very good comp. Not that they're the same player, but that's what DeAndre Jordan was. The difference is... DeAndre Jordan came out in 2008 and didn't have an offensive game and got drafted in the 40s because people are like, hey, we can't pass him the ball. The game has evolved and you can take a Looney at the end of the first round. And so what they got yep. is a big dude that can also play side to side, which is so much more valuable than people realize. Like when people didn't understand why Tristan Thompson got $16 million a year that one time. Yep. A big dude that can play side to side, man. They just don't make that many of those. And that allows you to deal when somebody goes small, right? And to punish the teams when they go small because your guy can still wind up going side to side. So what they have with him is a really talented specialist that becomes very important. Because the thing about the Warriors in the past, as much as we talked about the death lineup and then going small... They always had a really big dude out there, whether it was Bogut, whether it was Festus Azili, like uh Zsa. JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, right. Like, they were always bringing a big dude out. This, this go-round, Kaminga, I don't think, really counts as the big guy in the ways that we're talking about it, and James Wiseman isn't playing. But they always are going to break out a big guy. Now, to Al Horford, this may surprise you but I had actually looked it up on Basketball Reference to get a check out of his uh, stats and the Hall of Fame probability that they have. Oh, there. okay. Right. I do not think that Al Horford is a Hall of Famer if they win one. If he like messed around and went somewhere else and they won two, right? Or he got two with them, I think he actually may have a case. I have long thought that Al Horford is one of the more underrated players of his generation.
1: All right, let me make the case for Al Horford according to how I think it will go. First of all, I remind you, your non-NBA accomplishments count. Two college national championships. Also, five-time All-Star. You know who that reminds me of? Reginald Miller. Our guy.
0: Five-time
1: All-Star, Reggie Miller. So, Reggie Miller who walked into the hall of fame, not first ballot, but, but everyone, but you and me thinks he's a no doubter. Yes. He's a career 18, three and three, two finals appearances, no titles. Al Horford is a career 14, eight and three, same number of all-star teams. Neither ever made a first team all NBA. It's not an insane proposition to say, well, once you add in the college stuff, neither ever made a second-team All-NBA. Reggie made three third-team All-NBAs. Al's made one third-team All-NBA. I think he's going to make it. I think that if they win the title, I think at some point Al Horford's making the Hall of Fame.
0: Well, he's going to need a publicist or somebody to get broadcasted to just call him a future Hall of Famer on the, on, on the, on the show oh, like, all the time, like yeah, Jason right. Witten. Like, like if I, thing. Yeah, like if people just say it enough, then nobody ever uh-huh. thinks about it, and then it goes, and so maybe it could wind up being the case. Now, here's my question for you about trying to get Al Horford in the Hall of Fame. Did he ever score 25 points in a quarter at Madison Square Garden? Because that is the entire reason that Reggie Miller is in the Hall of Fame. Like, Well, let me ask this. In line with that, right? Yeah. You think Jimmy Butler's a Hall of Famer? I think this year solidified it. If, I was going to say, if the world stops today,
1: it's a coin flip. Assuming he's got a few more good years in him, Yes.
0: See, I don't even think it should go to that. This is this, this is my Jimmy Butler case. And this is actually the strongest argument for Reggie Miller, though people have some quibble with this statement as it related to the 2000 Pacers, but you will feel me? Jimmy Butler was the best player on a team that went to the NBA Finals and just about every single one of those is in the Hall of Fame. You go back and look at who the either side, the best player on a team that went to the finals is pretty much in the Hall of Fame. That's the to me like the hardest case. That you have for Reggie Miller. But what I thought Jimmy demonstrated this year, and he gave us a taste of it in 19, but really gave us this year, he's one of the all time great clutch postseason performers. Like these last two games against Boston just absolutely nailed it down. He's jump on my back guy. (laughs) Believable. Yes.
1: One last thing on Reggie, then to Jimmy it's the 25 point quarter. It's the if they're going to put Reggie Miller in the Hall of Fame, Spike Lee's got to go with him because it's <laughs> the beef with Spike Lee. Like, I don't know if you have, but do you have busts or plaques in Springfield? I'm not sure. Whatever it is, Spike Lee needs to be in the background of it yelling at him. And then, and don't underrate this the one shot against the 98 Bulls to force game seven. Yeah. Because folks have convinced themselves that's the only elimination game. The Bulls ever faced. It's not true. The Knicks <laughs> took them to seven, but nobody cares about that. But it happened. But that shot, I think those moments with Bob Costas on the call and Marv Albert on the call is enough. Now to Jimmy. No,
0: no, eight points, nine seconds at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, too. that's it's what like I'm it's saying. all that about was, Madison Square Garden. Moment. I was thinking of like, the 25, he did that to him also. He yes. did a lot with Spike.
1: It's all it's it's the it's the iconic sp- moments involving Spike Lee in Madison Square Garden and very mediocre Knicks teams that get elevated in order to elevate Jordan. Everyone acts like, "Oh man, <laughs> those '90s Knicks. What about them? You mean those '90s Knicks that had Patrick Ewing and a bunch of crummy players? That was my favorite team growing up." John Stark's the second most reliable scorer. The dude was in the CBA, had to fake an injury not to get cut. And then they had Mason and Oakley. They're like, oh, back when men were men, 90s basketball. Those guys, the only cool thing about that team was Anthony Mason's barber. Like, so stop <laughs> acting like these. And then they're like, oh, Andy had to get through the Pacers. The Pacers, with. Antonio and Dale Davis. Like, get the <laughs> out of here. Like, oh, the Duncan Dunchman wasn't something to be slept on. Yes, he was. He is a and good Sam player. Perkins, cornrows Enough. Okay. Now, to the point. Jimmy Butler is just the bizarro James Harden.
0: The other way around, it gets better in the postseason. Yes.
1: Well, it's just no. So it's like James Harden's career postseason numbers are of a good player. His career regular season numbers, it's like. Is he one of the five greatest players ever? Jimmy Butler is in the regular season. It's like, hey, he's a good player. And then his playoff numbers last few years, it's like, wait, is he one of the the three best players in the league? We've seen this before. Carl Malone as well. We're used to seeing it in one direction. We are not used to seeing it in the other direction, but it's what Jimmy Butler is. He's the bizarro Carl Malone or James Hart.
0: Yeah, came Just a guy who's too. good to great. Yeah, Kim Kim Olajuwon was a very good to great guy in postseason stuff. It was a very similar thing. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. This point, though, takes us to where you want to go and what I had to send yeah. you a text about and what I long ago sent a voicemail or video about to yeah, chastise thank you, for, you for, for. Thank you for so, contributing. Yeah, check my man's podcast. What's right with Nick Wright and my homie Demonze working with him on the call, getting the podcast You know, this ep- the, the episode I that saw. came out
1: today, Danielle filled in for Demonse. I did
0: see that. I yeah. did see that. <laughs> I, haven't had to, I haven't had a chance to check it yet. But Nick is doing a list of the top 50 players of the last 50 years. Because one thing that is very, very interesting about you is while you have that chain on, you are such a died-in-the-wool sports radio host, right? Yeah. Like you love lists, yeah, you love straight. all yeah. those things, right? Like all yeah. the standards. I'd still stuff. be
1: doing sports radio, but then I couldn't have got these chains. Yes, so that, yes, so that, so, but yes, I love Safe. lists. I love <laughs> rankings. I love it all. Yes, that's all
0: right. So Nick is doing these fifty players, and I can't go through the whole list. I just turned up on one page, and it was just like, damn, Nick grew his hair out and lost his mind. Nick, I don't know where I want to go first. Actually. We'll start with the one that just jumps off the page, and then we'll get to the one that I think is just kind of interesting fodder. The one, of course, is it's 2022. You already have Luka Doncic as the 20th greatest player in the history of the NBA.
1: Well, the last 50 years. Of the last 50 years. Okay, so here's my argument. The NBA did this with Shaq at the exact same point in his career. You're saying that he's Shaq? I think he's getting into better than Shaq. (sighs) What? Bo? Nothing. Bo, Uh, how about this? Bo, he's been in the league four years. He's never had an all-star on his team. Did you know he has as many first-team All-NBAs? He has three. So Steph has four. Chris Paul has four. They've been in the league decade plus. He has more than Dame and Kyrie combined. Like they, so he's already, he's, his playoff numbers are already of one of the all time greats. It's just true. I mean, second most playoff points per game ever, most in elimination games ever, most in a first playoff game ever. So, my question is this when the NBA did their initial list and that four years in, they put Shaq on it, were they right or were they wrong? It was clearly a bit of a projection, but they were like, this list is going to look dumb in three years time if shaq's not on there so we got to put him on there their list wasn't ordered one through 50. mine is so i had to find a place for him so i thought one spot ahead of chris paul
0: felt good <laughs> so the difference to me between he and shaq is this and it's worth noting that by the time shaq got on that list in 96 he had gotten a team to the nba finals there was a singular impact to his presence. And don't. And I'm not saying that the Mavericks didn't get better when Luka showed up, right? Like, I don't want any confusion about whether I'm saying that. But the Magic were like 25 games better that first year, Shaq. I've never seen anybody... This is where the slight age difference between the two of us comes into play, because you were seven when Shaq hit the scene. And I'm just telling you, that showed up, and he didn't even have a move yet. And it was just like, oh my God, I can't... Nothing, I've never... He and David Robinson are the two guys that just walked in the league and were like, hey, fellas, I'm here. Like post-Jordan, what y'all going to do about it? It was mind-blowing. And Luka, as impressive as he's been, and the numbers are hard for me because we're in an era of inflated stats and guards getting rebounds that they wouldn't have gotten previously because so many long jumpers are being shot and everything else, that I think that—see— People be thinking I'm hating. I think that Luka is great. I just think that we way ahead of ourselves on this one. I tell you what, he's, he's really good at. The he's
1: no, the he's best player in the league. No, he's not. He's in the league, No, he's not. Yeah, Giannis him.
0: He is. You think he's better than Embiid? Cuz I don't want to talk about the other dude cuz then we'll just get all derailed.
1: No, yeah, let's not talk about Jokic. I would I rather have Luka Doncic or Joel Embiid? I'd rather have Luka. He's more reliable. He's, he's already made a conference finals. Joey Joel hadn't seemed to be able to do that. Been in the league quite some time. He's obviously a better offensive player. Now Embiid's obviously a better defensive player. I think Luke is more impactful. I think he's better. Yeah, I'm shocked Embiid's where he went. I think he's better than Durant. I think he's, it's hard with Steph because Steph just beat him. And Steph's impact doesn't show up in the stats. But I do, th- yeah. I mean, look at his team.
0: No. And look at how far they got. Okay, so this is what I say about the team part, because I do agree with you. I mean, this is Mark Cuban has really done a poor job of roster construction for the better, but not just the last ten years, but whatever. Right? Go like, go. Granted, the best player, that Dirk, the best players Dirk played with are better than the best players that Luca played with. But the best players Dirk played with, we didn't realize at the time that dude was he had the whole city on his back while he was out there. Right? They just the Mavericks, they off on something else. Okay. I do not think that Luca's teammates are great. I also think they could be better if he played differently. I think that well, he doesn't. So, this is when he hit me. The most underrated feat of Luca Dodge's basketball to me is what he did in the Olympics. I don't know who else is on that squad, but it was all my back, boys, right? Like, Luca might be the best player to have in the NBA if the rest of your team is bums and somebody's got to go out here and get all these buckets. But what I'm saying in watching him with the Mavericks, and more importantly, watching the Mavericks without him when he did not play, he's got to figure out, A, how to play off the ball, and B just because you can get a bucket every time doesn't mean you're supposed to go get a bucket every time.
1: I agree with that. That's the original Isaiah Thomas corollary, and I agree with that. The defense would be the argument and the defense. So the argument is also, just to go back to my rankings quickly, I understand he hasn't been to the finals, but if there's anyone who at 23 has a basketball resume, we're like, can we project it? It's the guy who won MVP of the second best league in the world at 18. Yeah. And who took Slovenia to the medal round of the Olympics, Slovenia. Now the argument that is this how he has to play? Or is this how he has to play? Meaning is Luka Doncic just wired to only play this way? Or is he playing this way? Because the best teammate he's ever had is Tim Hardaway Jr. And that dude was injured for the end of this year. Like I need to see... If Luka had an awesome wingman, would he adjust? We haven't seen it. And okay. so, and what I, one last point, I do think it also warrants mentioning that he's played five playoff series and none of them have been stat stuffers. It's two against Kawhi and Paul George, one against Utah, which I understand is an odd one because they have this great defensive player, but they're, they're a terrible playoff team. Call that one a stat stuffer, but he only played half of it. Then the Sun to a top three defense and Golden State, who had the number one defense. He hasn't had a single like version of, hey, you get the Atlanta Hawks in round one of the playoffs, go average 35 on high efficiency. Okay. He's never had that opportunity.
0: I understand you. Just for the people at home, I want to give them some context because you hear Luke at 20, you don't have context. You might, you know, lots of things that you might be thinking, but I just want to make sure that people know some other things here. In here at number 28 is Patrick Ewing. In here at number 23 is David Robinson. And in here at number 22 is Kevin Garnett. And we are already throwing Luka over. Now, here's my counterpoint to you because I think that the not having teammates and all the stuff you talked about there, I think that's, I mean, it it, it can't be ignored, right? Like, this is the thing about him. But... You know who also didn't have teammates for like 10 years? David Robinson. That's who. Go look at those teams. Like Sean Elliott is the best player that he played with. And we wouldn't talk about Sean Elliott. And keep in mind, while being the best player he played with, they had to trade Sean Elliott for Dennis Rodman because they knew the Sean Elliott thing isn't going to work. And then, you know, you get your weirdo year of Dennis Rodman. Who else is on here? That oh Patrick Ewing. You just talked about that with the 94 Knicks whole city on his back. Very similar scenario, I feel like, to what you point out with Luka Doncic and what he's managed to do, having to have all these people on his back. The problem that Ewing has in the way that we historically perceive him is of those great centers of the day, he was the least great, but great nonetheless. I can't put him over those people. Like, I'd put him over, you have him over Al. I don't want to talk about that in front of people. I can understand how one might have him over Allen Iverson, and you can argue with Nick about that should you choose, but please do not argue with me because I don't argue about Allen Iverson in public. Listen,
1: I understand. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: on. One more thing, one more thing. You have him 12 places over Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, low-key, might be one of the 20 greatest players of all time, maybe even 15. Like, when you really stop and think about what Leonard managed to pull off, the injuries are going to wind up being the downfall for him. But if he had not gotten hurt in 2016, 17, whatever year that was, we yeah. really might have in a Kawhi Leonard in like upper, upper, upper Pantheon level discussion.
1: Yeah, he was 28-8-5 and five in the 2017 playoffs on splits of 53-46-93 <laughs> until you seen, Zaza maimed his ankle.
0: Have you seen his win shares per 48 in that year? Uh, it's unbelievable. So listen. <laughs>
1: I want to make something clear because I spent so much time on this list and I think it is worthwhile people checking it out. You should. I understand the Luca part of it for many is the fly in the ointment because the reason Kawhi is not higher than guys who I think his apex was clearly higher than is because his body of work is not big enough. And then I have Luca there at number 20. So, you know, between you and I talking here, Luca had to be on the list, in my opinion. I, how do you? There's no fair place to play. He doesn't deserve right now to be in the top 75 players of the last 50 years based on what he's done. So, if there's going to be projection involved for the one guy who's on there who hasn't yet accomplished it, by the way, I had him in this spot, Bo, when I put this together, which was before these playoffs. Yes, this is before he made a conference finals. I had him here. Um. So, I understand the, 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 it's almost like a 49 person list plus Luca. So, what I do think is worth discussing is what to do with Kawhi Leonard, not versus Luca, but versus, for example, the guys around him, which are Scottie Pippen. I have Kawhi one spot ahead of Scottie. Oh, I know yay, you definitely. think I have Scottie way up, overrated. And I have Kawhi, for example, behind Jason Kidd. So, when you are talking about, Great players, how do you weigh how long they did it for versus how high the peak was? Yeah. Because this is your issue with my Stockton ranking
0: because I have Stockton 24th. So here's my issue with Stockton. And I wanted to get to that one, right? Because I think Stockton is an illustrative case that is very similar to the Chris Paul case that gets us into all of this and why I would have Kawhi Leonard a bit higher in this, right? I think we need to kind of change the context around how we discuss Leonard in this sense. The 2014 Spurs, quietly, one of the greatest teams of all time. But while Kawhi Leonard won a finals MVP, we don't think of him as being the best player on that team. Because he wasn't. But he was. He no. was the best player on that team. No. He was the best player on that. It's old Duncan, old Parker, old Ginobili. He was the best player on that team. I went back and looked at it, looked at numbers, all that stuff there's a real argument that he's the best player on that team. That team was just tricky because I don't think anybody played 30 minutes a game, right? Like like they just all got in a little bit here, a little bit there. Is the ultimate ensemble cast. But if you think about that, in 2014, I think he was the best player on the Spurs and they won a championship. In 2017, in that postseason, he had reached the point where there was a legitimate argument that he was the best player in the NBA, given how he played in that postseason. That is the apex of Kawhi Leonard. And then Zaza got him. And then he got hurt. But 2019 is actually a diminished version of Kawhi Leonard, not the version of Kawhi Leonard that we saw in 2017, and he had a city on my back win the championship as that player. Ain't a lot of people got highs anywhere near that, and we'll be lucky if Luka ever does one of those things once, not because of some shortcoming of Luka Doncic, but just because all that stuff is really hard to do. Okay, so listen,
1: I am with you on the 17 and 19 Kawhi. The 14 Kawhi, I just fundamentally disagree with you. Tim Duncan was first-team All-NBA the year prior. So Duncan was a diminished version, but he wasn't a shell of himself. He was first. And Kawhi that year was fourth on the team in points in the playoffs, third on the team in points in the regular season. He obviously wasn't a passer.
0: And already maybe the best defensive player in the NBA.
1: A great defensive player. There's no doubt about it. But it's also true, he didn't even make an all-star team until two years later. Forget an all-NBA team.
0: Because we was late. Like, this is the beauty of hindsight. We got the chance to go catch up. Because I do agree with you, but I think part of that is the narrative of ensemble around San Antonio and the fact that very few of us pay any attention to them unless we absolutely have to. And then we get there. Like, I I, okay. I, I mean, here's the thing. Even if you don't think he was the best player on that team, he was absolutely, to me, in the same sphere as the other guys that we associate Correct. with that Correct, because too. it
1: was like a perfect storm of guys who were, had been amazing on the downslope, Kawhi who's going to be amazing on the upslope, and they all, it's like if it was NBA 2K, they all would have been like 86s. Yes. You know what I mean? There were, they, none of them were bad, obviously, but I don't want to focus on that part of it.
0: I'm using that to get to my thing about Stockton at 24. Stockton is tricky. Here's the most amazing stat about John Stockton. John Stockton played, what, 20 years? Or 19, something like that? There were only two seasons in which he missed a game.
1: Yeah, he played all 82, 17 of his 19 years.
0: Yes, including, <laughs> including as a super duper old man. He had one year where he missed like 27 games and one year where he missed two games. Two. The, yeah. other, the other years, he played 82 games, right? In the as physical an NBA era as there has ever been, he has an argument that he is literally the most durable player in the history of the NBA. A very good defensive player, obviously the all-time assist leader, a record I don't think will ever be broken. And the steals leader, which getting a bunch of steals doesn't mean that you're a great defensive player, but getting steals does typically mean you're about to turn that immediately into two points. And there's a great value in being the guy who gets all the steals. The problem with John Stockton is the Chris Paul problem, which is, Ain't but so much we can do with this little dude having the ball in his hands going deep into the postseason, right? Like there's a wall that you get from having a small guard whose job it is to do all that stuff. And so the guys who have games that allow them to elevate postseason-wise, and I see that's why you go hard for Luka, like that's the, the strongest argument for Luka where he is. To me, it's kind of the demerit for John Stockton is that even with them making the finals twice, I just always thought there was such a ceiling on what you could do in having him as your point guard. So like when we start getting into the top 20 range, you either got to be like a Bill Russell caliber defensive player or I need to be a guy that I can look at and be like, we're going to need you to bring it home today. And I just don't think there was ever a day that you could look at John Stockton or Carl Malone and say that.
1: So they're very different players in this regard. So Malone, and this is Malone's regular season resume. He was first team All-NBA 11 times. He finished top five MVP voting, top five nine times. Stockton, on the other hand, was first team All NBA twice and never once finished higher than seventh in MVP voting. It's like, wait, what? And if you look at John Stockton' career thirty point playoff games, you'll be looking for a long time for a very small number. <laughs> the flip side is this: it's not just that he's the assist all time assist leader. It's that he has 3,700 more than second place. It's not just that he's the Steels leader with 3,200. It's that second place is at 2,600. He has 600 more than second place. Like, think about what that means. Two assists a game is great. So you would need two assists a game for four years to make up the gap between second and number two. He has playoffs and regular season combined. Stockton. 963 10 assist games yeah what 963 and so it's I don't know you know I'm not a baseball historian but like what do you do with Ricky Henderson and Pete Rose yeah it's like I don't know they should be so high I think but were they ever like the greatest no. Well, like, Ricky, yes.
0: I, Ricky, yes, I'm gonna stop Ricky you now. Was? I, Yeah, 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 I'll be stopping you. yeah, I'm gonna stop, yeah, stop you for Howard Brian baseball. shows up at your house. Yes. <laughs> Ricky. Pete Rose is a great example on that one, okay, though. but Pete see, Rose. like the, th- the thing with Pete Rose that becomes an interesting comparison, like my dad always, you know, Pete Rose had the most singles of all time. he always go there. But Pete Rose was not a home run hitter, but he was a doubles hitter, right? There were extra base hits. He could get a guy in from first with a double. The thing with me and Stockton is whatever the basketball equivalent of the extra base hit, not so much. But again, I also think that somehow he's a bit underrated because of the durability factor. Like, I just don't think that people appreciate what it is. He and Malone, because Malone played all those games that he played too. And if you want to talk about an advanced stat monster, Carl Malone, who said the problem is he choke when you need it, right? And I never thought that Stockton was a choker as much as, again the limitations of the small guard once you get to this next place like I can't say I watch Clyde Frazier play with my own eyes but it is hard for me to think that I would take John Stockton over six foot four best defensive guard in the league 38.16 assists to win a championship Clyde Frazier
1: no I, I I think that's correct I also think Stockton deserves to be higher in the rankings like it's just a weird thing like when uh your colleague J.J. Redick and Mad Dog got into the Bob Cousy argument and everyone started at Bob Cousy argument. My take on it was very simple. I do not believe Bob Cousy could get a Division I scholarship today. I do believe Bob Cousy is one of the 30 greatest players ever. Both of those things can be true. Yes. Like I do not. I, I know Jesse Owens would not qualify for the finals at the NCAA championship. Yeah, but it don't change nothing. (laughs) But he's still the greatest (laughs) to ever do it, the second greatest to ever do it. Like, you can only compete against who you can compete against. The argument against old-timer guys, that is, to me, the only fair argument is, what would their numbers have looked like if they were in a fully integrated sport? Yeah, I will listen to those arguments. But the arguments of, you know, once the sports fully integrated and in Koozie's era, it wasn't fully integrated. So you want to, you ding him on that. That's fine. But the argument against, uh, what's an example, a guy like Rick Barry, it's like, well, look at the athletes in the seventies. It's like, well, it's not his fault.
0: Yeah. Actually the argument against Rick Barry, number one is generally, he was an ass. That, that, right. that's, 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 that's the argument <laughs> yeah, that people want to make. And, and the thing um, that I would say about Bob Koozie, the knock on Bob Koozie is, they didn't win a damn thing until Bill Russell showed up. That's the knock against Bob Cousy.
1: Sure, no, no, no. That's fair. And, and again, I'm not. I'm yeah. not actually trying to have a Bob Cousy argument.
0: Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think
1: I get it your can point. Be true, that your era could never because by the 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 argument of JJ Reddick, the, the not JJ Reddick, but the Bob Cousy argument. That the flip side is so. Are we saying for a second mention on today's podcast? that J.R. Smith was better than Bob Cousy? Right. Because that's what you are saying. Are we, are we arguing Lance Stevenson <laughs> over Jerry West? Because I'm not comfortable with that. I'm telling right. you right now. Right. Um, okay. Four power forward, similar era. Because we just got to players. We got got to number 16 on my list. Number 15, that comes out on Sunday. And everyone, if you're following it, you know who the 15 guys are. The question is list. But of guys who I've already ranked, I'm just curious how the order you would have them. Four power forwards, similar era. KG, Malone, Barkley,
0: and uh, Dirk. Okay, all I know is who's fourth. And it's Carl Malone. That's all I know is that Karl Malone is fourth. I have had a grand reawakening on Dirk Nowitzki in the last four or five years.
1: In a positive or a negative way?
0: Positive. Very positive.
1: I have Dirk number one of the four.
0: And you know what? I can't argue with it. Like, I don't agree. But there's an argument to be made that Dirk Nowitzki had a point where he was the best player in the NBA. Not if he played in today's game, but if the way we looked at the game today was applied to 15 years ago there's a chance we'd look at Dirk in that way. And the thing was, we held it against him. They use from Europe. We held it against 100%. him so tough. And the idea, and, and look, he fixed this. This is the thing I give Dirk credit for. I'm not here for seven footers who can't play with their back to nobody. Waste of f- space, all right? what was my brother call him? Tall and that's all. I ain't here for that. And Dirk for a long time was tall and that's all. And we knocked him badly for it, but... Those Mavericks were Dirk, Dirk, Dirk. Like that 06 Mavericks team, if they win that game three against Miami in 2006, we're having a completely different discussion. Instead, they fell apart and we all decided that Dirk was soft. Pioneering offensive player who was just absolutely unstoppable. But the best of Charles Barkley is the best of all those guys that you list there. That I agree with. Yeah, Garnett was just such an incredible defender. The trick bag with Garnett is... Hey, if I need it, hey, can we? Can you go win us this game? Can I get a, how about, can you go get me a bucket? I yes. don't
1: know, buddy. I yeah. don't know if I can. Yeah, that's but what I'm saying. Barkley can bucket. get you
0: a bucket. Dirk can get you a bucket. Even Carl Malone, he might elbow you in the face. He can get you a bucket. KG, can I pass the ball to somebody else so they can get a bucket? And I he might KG throw it to him them before. with a second left on the shot clock.
1: So I have KG last of the four. I have Dirk first of the four. Not here for this Carl Malone
0: thing. Not here for this Carl Malone thing. Okay,
1: that's fine. I just want to make the case for Dirk quickly because here's what. So Dirk, in his first playoffs ever, he's 22 years old, against Malone. He has back-to-back 33-point games. And then facing elimination, he's 22 years old, but not a great team, against Duncan and Robinson. He drops a 42-18, and they lose. His second playoffs ever, he's 23 years old, he averaged 33 and 16 to sweep out Garnett. And then this is the one that gets forgotten. And people look at Dirk. They're like, oh, 6 the great run, and he, the 50 points on the Suns, the and one on the Spurs to get to the finals, and the meltdown. The one that's forgotten is oh, 3 So oh, 3 he has a 46 and 10 to start the playoffs. He has a 30 and 19 in a game seven to beat Chris Webber. And then in the Western Conference finals starts the Western Conference finals against Duncan with a 38 and 15 and then gets hurt and misses games four on and they lose. They, that was the year the nets were back in the finals. They win the title. If Dirk doesn't get hurt, he's 24 years old having already won the title for a team that wasn't even that good. And so, and then 06, he also had, In the finals run, or the championship run in 2011, the 48-point game against Durant on 15 shots. Remember that? 48 points on 12-15 from the field. Dirk's playoff stuff is bananas. And it was because he lost to the We Believe team right after the four straight losses in the finals, everyone killed him. And he's the sixth all-time leading scorer. He was a bad man.
0: It was the way they lost in 07 It wasn't just that they lost. That was its own thing. It was that he could be guarded by six-foot-six guys, right? Like that's what caused the reawakening there. And then the the next happened to LeBron. Yeah, against JJ Barea, right? Yes. And then the next year, he let David West tap his jaw. But the turning point for Dirt was when that woman ran his pockets and the world found out that that woman ran his pockets and he went out they lost that series in 09 but he dominated i was like oh this man can focus this man can push through anything but like all that stuff that you just listed about Dirk, none of it in the moment were we in a position to acknowledge because all of our biases against european players at the time and our inability to appreciate that he was largely playing with bums it's him michael finley and bums. That was pretty much yes. what it was, right? Yeah, and and so, he had
1: Nash early. Yeah, he had Nash he had early. Nobody.
0: Here's the problem he had with Nash. He had Nash early, but he really only got like one year of post rule, like a couple years of post rule change Nash, because everything changed with Nash when the rules changed. It's not a knock against him, but you can look at it. If I pulled up his basketball reference page and said, "Tell me when the rules change," you could Nash, immediately. Another
1: guy that was hard to rank. I put I put Nash number forty.
0: Yeah, it's hard for me to rank a guy who's at his best taking 13 shots. You know what I mean? Like, like that's a Reggie Miller thing too, by the way. Reggie Miller at his best. like He's a 15, like, he's not a carry you sort of guy there. But with Dirk and Charles, while I talk about Dirk playing with a bunch of bums, oh my God, Charles Barkley in Philadelphia played with bums absolute bums and by the way never had a usage percentage over 30 percent. he was actually kind enough to pass the ball to those bums I don't know if anybody was ever more offensively efficient pound for pound inch for inch than Charles Barkley
1: and game seven of the Western Conference finals in 1993 against Seattle is on the short list of the greatest playoff games ever played it was 44 and 24 Utter domination to get him to the year he won league MVP, to get to the finals. Here's the other thing that nobody realizes about Charles Barkley. At his prime, 90 to uh, 95, six seasons. He makes playoffs five of those six seasons. All five years, he lost either Michael Jordan or Akeem Olajuwon. That seems a little unfair. He kept losing to Michael in Philly. And then he goes to Phoenix, loses to Michael again, and then he loses to team back-to-back
0: years. Well, the issue was not that they lost to their – and this is the knock against Barkley. It's not that they lost to the Rockets in their back-to-back years. It's that they blew a 2-0 lead one year, and they blew a, 3-0 lead, a 3-1 lead the next year. And the year they blew a 3-1 lead, they lost game seven at home. And those three years, 93, 94, 95, closeout series games, Charles Barkley did not bring it like that is it's actually interesting to me given how easy it is to pick on Charles that people don't go to the particulars on it because when I did that video series a couple summers ago about those teams from the 90s that was the thing that jumped out is that when the Suns went out it's because Barkley did not bring it like Barkley needed to so Barkley gave you 56 against Chris Webber in the first round but in those closeouts and remembering that when they lost that series to the Rockets Chucky Brown said you know he you know the end of the, the Chucky Brown thing and how there was no way they was going to blow that lead. And they got embarrassed. They embarrassed themselves on the way out there. Like, that's the knock against him. That's actually stronger knocks than there are against Dirk. I just can't get out of my mind the picture of young Charles Barkley grabbing a rebound, going end-to-end, and banging on everybody. I feel so bad for these kids that just have no idea they made one of those, dog. Like, Zion Williamson is the closest thing we've ever seen to that.
1: Well, and the other thing... In 93, game six, I mean, he is the one that lost Paxson. I mean, he's the like that. And by the way, they win that game. I understand they were down 3-1. So everyone's like, oh, the finals were over. But they weren't. And that was back when it was 2-3-2. So that was going to be a game seven back in Phoenix for a clearly exhausted and mentally exhausted Bulls team. I mean, Jordan's about to leave the sport, right? And those are the things, like, in the thinnest of the margins. But I've taken up too much of your time. But people, Bamani's podcast is wildly po- popular. I just need, like, 10% of y'all to subscribe to mine, please. I'd appreciate it. What's right with Nick Wright.
0: What's right with Nick Wright. Check that out. Check him out also. First things first, mornings on FS1. It is always a privilege and a pleasure, sir.
1: Bo, love you, miss you. Uh, you know, the youngest is demanding you come over. Come over for a finals game.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get there soon. I'm going to get there soon. I promise. But hey, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Remember, the book club starts Monday, June 13th with Howard Bryan discussing King of the World by David Remnick, a great bio of Ali. It's in print. Go ahead and get it. Be sure to have the first two parts of the book read by then. That's up to page 163. Gabe getting ambitious. He giving y'all all all the homework up to page 163. Also, call the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. The topic When have you had a fantasy football beef like Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham where somebody got slapped? Well, they ain't got to get slapped in the face, but, you know, something along those lines. Give us that. Uh, Remember, follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Thank you for watching us on YouTube, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.